is the Hockey Flow. I'm pleased to share with Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico, who you can find on Twitter. Adam, you can find at really Adam B. And Marco, you can find at the Hockey Expert, and of course at scrimmageandstats.com. Bookmark that site. There is an amazing article heading your way that Marco is currently churning out to make sure that you get all the best information as we head into the expansion draft and, of course, free agency. Let's get right into it. Uh, there was a Stanley Cup that was awarded and unfortunately was not awarded to the Montreal Canadiens. It was given to the Tampa Bay Lightning after beating us uh, 1-0 in Game 5. We're getting over the loss. I don't think we'll ever get over the loss, but we will experience the joy. And that's all we're going to dedicate to that stupid team. Let's move along to better information and a new team, in fact. Let's move to the Seattle expansion draft prep, including the news that we had today with the Minnesota Wild announcing that the Prize and Suter were going to be bought out. Marco, take us to directly to the action. What do we need to know? Um, A lot of dollars. Uh, basically, what happened is um, we all remember when Zach Parisi and uh, Ryan Suter, I believe in 2013, uh, signed those massive twin deals to go to, ironically, the Twin Cities uh, in, in Minneapolis to play for the Minnesota Wild. And we all told ourselves, oh, my God, that's so much money. What, what's going to happen? And lo and behold, there are consequences to spending irrationally and it came to the point where uh, Zach Parisi's play had dropped off to the point where it was noticeably bad, like to, to the point where they were willing to take on Andrew Ladd's contract at last year's trade deadline. Um, and so what happened is they bought them out. Now, I was shocked, and I repeat, utterly shocked that uh, Ryan Suter was bought out. I fully expected Zach Parisi to be bought out. And, and you know, with no dire consequence in year one but as of year two uh six million against the cap uh as of year three and four 7.3 million against the cap now multiply that by two because ryan Suter was bought out so in years two three and four so uh 2023 24 2024 25 2025 26 minnesota wild will be 12.7 and then 14.7 twice uh penalized in millions of dollars against the salary cap uh, just to buy out those two contracts. Now, a lot of people would be like, well, why would they want to do that to themselves? Uh, I think there is a significant desire for a culture change within the Minnesota Wild, and there's no better way to create a culture change than to get rid of your leadership pillars on the team, uh, and that is exactly what happened. Now, what does this mean? Well, there are uh, there is a $10 million combined cap savings for this season alone for the Minnesota Wild. So chances are we will see a very uh, aggressive Minnesota Wild with Bill Guerin. Um, at the same time, this also permits them to protect Matt Dumba in the expansion draft uh, because they already had no choice. All right, so this permits them to protect Matt Dumba, David Spurgeon, and of course, Jonas Brodin, uh, whom they signed to a long-term contract last year. Uh, prior to uh, buying out Ryan Suter, they could have lost Matt Dumba, a top four right-handed shot defenseman, for nothing. Uh, and also from the Ford perspective, getting rid of a guy like Zach Parisi allows them to now protect a guy like a Ryan Hartman or a Jordan Greenway or a Marcus Foligno, uh, whom potentially could have been lost to this process uh, had they had to expose him. Unfortunately, though, this really puts the Minnesota Wild in a pickle. They're basically in a win-now scenario 
They still haven't gotten uh, Kirill Kaprizov signed, uh, who just reportedly turned down $9 million over eight years uh, because he thinks he'll be worth 11 or 12 uh, within uh, a year or two from now. So they're in a really, this is a really big conundrum and really happens at a weird time. Um, but don't get me wrong. I think that this is going to allow the Minnesota Wild an influx of young players into the roster. You know, you're going to see a guy like Kale Addison, whom they acquired in the Jason Zucker trade from Pittsburgh, uh, kind of come into the lineup as well. Uh, you might see guys uh, like Beckman, uh, definitely Matt Boldy, uh, a healthy Marco Rossi, uh, all kind of push for spots on this lineup. So Minnesota, it, it's not like they're barren. They just got rid of two very expensive players. But, and I repeat, but, if they can get two players on entry-level contracts that can produce above replacement, NHL replacement, that's already a benefit to them because it's a complete culture change. It changes. It, it really starts to push Minnesota in a younger kind of swagger, a little bit more energy, uh, and they're going to need that, uh, especially in the division they're in next. And they'll be able to probably put, make a push for uh, one of those top UFAs for next year. We'll see what happens, but... Oh, they, they, they won't. They won't have any room next year. There'll be 12.7 million on in Yeah, in I meant there. the upcoming year. This, yeah. this, this is their offseason. So this is it. Basically, to what point is it Minnesota and, and just teams being pressured by Seattle? Like you saw a bunch of, of moves like uh, switching over. We saw Eric Johnson. We saw Jeff Skinner from two teams waving their mo no move clauses. Uh, even Milan Lucic. Even Milan Lucic, true. Uh, and we saw guys like we saw teams like Nashville saying they would leave Deshane unprotected. Flyers would leave Voracek unprotected, possibly. So, oh, he's been confirmed. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting draft for sure, and I'm many more deals to come. Just because Seattle, I f I feel like is just pressuring teams even more than Vegas did like a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about pressuring teams into making deals and 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 looking into that. There is one deal that was made, in my honest opinion, due to an actual pressure situation. And one of those was the Duncan Keith trade, right? For those that live under a rock, uh, the Duncan Keith era after 16 years is over in Chicago. And he was traded to the Edmonton Oilers, Hockey Canada alumnus are us, uh, for, um, I believe, Caleb Jones and a third round pick. Uh, and that was primarily done for two reasons from Edmonton's perspective. One of them, as Adam alluded to, was because they were probably going to lose Caleb Jones for nothing in the expansion draft. Uh, now they were able to kind of get an asset for that player, as well as giving up a third round pick inexplicably uh, for a guy like Duncan Keith. Now, do I think this is, was a good deal from a value perspective? Not necessarily, but we'll see how things move forward as they move forward. Um, Adam, I don't know. It was what a you... great deal for Chicago. That's I think for sure. I think it was a great deal for Chicago. I think that they don't have many defensemen to protect at this point, and so this allows them uh, the flexibility now to protect Caleb Jones. Um, it also gives them uh, 4.7 million dollars in cap relief uh, because Caleb Jones makes 800,000, and well, uh, our buddy Duncan Keith is on a 13-year contract that earns 5.5 and some odd 
million per season. So this makes a ton of sense uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks. A little bit less sense for the Edmonton Oilers, although with the uh, with the potential news that uh, Clefbaum is going to be out for the remainder of the 2021-2022 season after being out all of last year, it starts to make sense because you're gonna you're running out of veteran defensemen. Um, although a little bit of patience on the side of Edmonton would have done well because hey, they could have had Ryan Suter for free now if they really if they really wanted a veteran. It makes no sense from from like I don't get the trade for for Edmonton now they they have Duncan Keith coming in okay veteran presence on the blue line but they have to protect him yeah like the no movement clause came with Duncan Keith right yeah and I mean they could have yeah, so, they, they have no choice not to protect him based on the changes that were made to the CBA last summer uh, in the return to play you cannot just decide to no to no longer after acquiring a player with a no movement clause. Uh, disregard the no movement clause. So unfortunately, at this point right now, Edmonton believes that he's a defenseman worth protecting. And look, I can understand Edmonton fans that see the value here because having veteran presence around a young defensive group is necessary. You have Ethan Bear, but you also have you have Evan Bouchard, you have Philip Broberg, uh, you have more defensemen that Edmonton is going to be looking at moving forward. I mean, this is a team that needs to have a certain level of leadership and stability uh, on that back end. And again, it's Hockey Canada and Duncan Keith was a good soldier for Hockey Canada for the longest time. Uh, so the connection was easy to make. Value-wise, not my cup of tea though. And if it wasn't for the expansion draft, great value. But now they're basically going to have to take the 8-1 route to protect and they're going to be losing on a forward. So we'll see what happens. I, I, but. I, that's, that's what I saw for Edmonton as well. I think that if they do the eight, four route though, I think it's dangerous. If you look at Edmonton, because obviously Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins in the bag. Right. But, but if they, they could lose a young I don't RFA. Think, I don't, I really, really don't think they'll go the eight, one route because realistically speaking, You're going to protect, if you if it's four forwards that you're going to protect, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Jesse Pugliarvi. But then you leave Kaylor Yamamoto exposed. Easy pick. Easy pick for Seattle. I think that Kaylor Yamamoto at this point is far more valuable than Ethan Bear. And if they're going to lose a guy like Ethan Bear, it, to me, it's it doesn't make much sense. This was before Oscar Clefbaum was confirmed injured now that or they even a chris russell now they could well like, chris they russell could be can go one of, chris russell can yeah. go edmonton oilers fans will tell you this i really think it's going to be a 7-3-1 um and whatever defenseman gets picked gets picked but i don't even you know if you look at their roster i honestly don't think i think it's going to be between a guy like dominic cahoon and a tyler benson uh for whom is going to be left exposed it's going to be picked by seattle i think that Right now, it's Darnell Nurse, Duncan Keith, and Ethan Bear that they're going to to be protecting for next season, uh, for, for the expansion draft, um, mainly because they're probably going to be waiting uh, in order to go and acquire that defenseman, either via by trade uh, or by signing. So to me, I don't think there's much risk here. I think that by dealing Caleb Jones and keeping Duncan Keith, I don't think that they have much to worry about. I think as long as you have Nurse and Keith, you're okay. But definitely, 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 
they need to acquire another, at least another top four defenseman if they want to make some noise uh, and definitely some goaltending help. But by taking on $4.8 million extra dollars in Duncan Keith, they're significantly hampering uh, their flexibility to do so. And another trade news, Landis Gog is going to be testing the market, isn't he? We'll see. We'll see. I think that... It looks like it. I mean, the, exactly. I think that this is jockeying. I think that whenever you hear that two teams are far off, quote-unquote, from negotiation standpoints, like, guys, let us all remember this. Montreal, Pierre Lebrun came out and said that Montreal was very far from Brendan Gallagher in terms of contract and that talks had broken down. And not 24 hours later, he had a contract signed. I think that this is Landis Cog's agent that has leaked the information to the, Col- the, the Colorado media and the Canadian media and is looking to put a little bit of pressure on Joe Sackick in order to get his client and the captain of that powerhouse team uh, what he wants. Uh, from Joe Sackick's perspective, wingers are not a lacking in that team. And should Landis Cog leave, that's totally understandable. And it's a huge blow for the team, but they have young forwards coming up that could potentially take those spots. And Nathan McKinnon plays for your team, and his running guy is is Miko Rantanen. I mean, ultimately speaking, whoever plays on that line on the left wing is probably going to do fine. It's what does that do to their secondary scoring? Uh, And that's where the importance of having a Don Scoy, of having a young Alex Newhook is important. I think that this is... You're going to see a lot of negotiative brouhaha over the next two to three weeks. Um, This is nothing new. And I'm confident, really confident, uh, that he's going to wind back up with Colorado. No, there there was also Tarasenko requesting a trade out of uh, St. Louis, which was, I don't know if it was a head scratcher, but definitely a surprise from my point of view. Uh, That's going to be interesting to see what he could fetch as a return and ultimately because now he wants out right so teams know he wants out and he's probably maybe he could hold hold out uh from training camp if he's not traded right well there's a there's a lot that goes into this um i don't see it so much as a head scratcher but i i i think this goes back a little bit um obviously there's a story about the st louis blues scrapping his two shoulder surgeries um i think that that definitely plays into it as he went and sought out a third party surgeon to do his shoulder surgery now and all seems to actually be well in place the other thing to consider is the comments that were made by tarasenko uh, at the beginning of last season when ryan o'reilly was announced uh to be the captain of that team and he had made the comments i believe in the russian papers uh where he was like this guy comes in one year and is already given the captaincy uh, you know, like kind of laughing it off in the sense that it's kind of a slap in the face for him. One of the longest standing members now that Prachangelo is gone uh, and, and a cup winner and everything that he's done for the club. Like I can understand it. I think that he started to feel disenchanted with the management team and couple in the injury and how he feels about how they handled his surgery. And yeah, I, I definitely understand where he's coming from. Um, you know, will he be traded? Absolutely. Um, what kind of return that's going to be, that's going to be very tricky because he has a, if I'm not mistaken, he has a full no trade clause, um, which means that he can pretty much pick his spot. Like they have to basically come to him 
now and say X team is interested in you and there's a deal in place that we like. Uh, so what do you want to do? And that's going to be the tricky part. Like we've seen players have limited no trade clauses or full no trade clauses. Like I'll give you an example. Remember when Jeff Skinner was traded from Carolina to Buffalo and it was like a second round pick in Cliff Pooh? Yeah, exactly. So that's because he had three teams that he was he was okaying being traded to, and Buffalo was one of them. And basically, Carolina had to take what they wanted. And as Adam pointed out, there's the serious possibility that Tarasenko just, you know, holds out until he's traded, and that'll force St. Louis basically to, to get whatever they can for him uh, because, A, uh, it's a flat cap, and he's earning $7.5 million, $9.5 million real dollars, uh, this season and $5.5 million next season. Um, so I don't know many owners that are willing to overspend by 2 million cap hit versus salary this season after the season that happened last year that are on his no trade and are willing to give a satisfactory package for him based on his uh, shoulder injury history. So and, and you pointed out to his injury, that's a guy who played 34 games in the past two seasons. Like, we know he's a 30-something goal scorer, he's elite talent, but still, he played 30-something games in the past two years. Well, there's something years. to be said with proper like, surgery, right? If the surgery is botched and you keep feeling it and it's a problem, it's a problem, it's a problem, that's one thing. But as Pierre Lebrun pointed out, interested teams are asking for his medical records and are probably going to make any deal contingent on full physicals uh, which includes probably a, a form of resistance uh, test when it comes to his shoulder strength. Ultimately, for me, I think that he needs out from St. Louis. I think St. Louis is going to go is pretty much going in a different direction here. I think they're kind of in limbo, but in the direction of an eventual rebuild uh, or at least a retool because uh, they do have some good young pieces. Uh, and I think that. You know, moving out a guy like Tarasenko at this point is the right time. Any longer than this summer, and they're going to lose considerable value on the asset. And Mr. Dominic Ducharme gets his three-year deal with the Montreal Canadiens to the surprise of absolutely nobody. I mean, can you really argue? Yeah, can you really argue it? I mean, no surprise there. He, I guess, he earned it, right? <laughs> I'm. Yeah, a lot of people can argue it that it wasn't deserved. And let's. But let's link it. Let's link it with the Habs losing Bouchard as well. Now you're like you need to give your interim coach the the proper title, right? Because you have you don't really have much to any more people to promote from under. So I guess he earned it. And this the fact you lost your 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 AHL coach. That's right. And uh, let's let's just bring up that news right now. So. Uh, Joel Bouchard is going to be replacing Kevin Deneen behind the San Diego bench. Uh, that's the goals who are the affiliate for the Anaheim Ducks. And good for him. I think it's just, a, I think most people predict this is just a good, strong career move, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, I think Joel Bouchard wants to be an NHL coach ASAP. And with what's happened with, um, what's, what's happened with, with uh, Ducharme, I think ultimately at this point we see where things are at and he's definitely going to be getting, you know, the three years. I, I sincerely would be shocked if, jo if, if Ducharme wasn't 
going to be here for at least two years, if not the full term of his contract. Um, you couple that with Joel Bouchard being offered his assistant coaching position or going back to the AHL. It wasn't a very attractive feat for Joel Bouchard if he wants to get to the NHL. Whereas if he goes to Anaheim, there's a twofold uh, benefit to this. One, um, he gets to work with Anaheim's ridiculous prospect pool. I mean, Zegers, Drysdale. Eventually, I'm not saying that they're going to be playing with the goals. I think they're, they're those guys are going to be making the NHL. But, you know, there's Josh Mahura. There's um, Matsu Perot. Uh, there's uh, Jacob Perot coming up as well. Um, they're also going to have access to San Colangelo. They're like so on and so forth. Like there's so many young prospects that are going to be coming into Anaheim system and they're going to fall under Bouchard who has shown an ability to be adequately good with developing young players. Now, um, if you ask certain ex AHL players like Dale Weiss, he's give or take, but I mean, I've met the guy personally and he's a gentleman, uh, to talk to. So I guess it's a question of opinion. But the other thing to take in its, uh, into consideration is Dallas Eakins, who was basically seen as kind of a Joel Bouchard, you know, left with the Gulls to really kind of help them, uh, you know, on the playoff run and, and focus on the kids. Um, these included guys like Troy Terry, Max Jones, uh, Sam Steele. Um, these guys are all with the Ducks. He's with them right now, and the results are not positive, obviously. They don't have a team to compete with that. A lot of the best pieces were old, bought out, left. Um, but ultimately, I think the I think the stick is very short for him. And if he's not going to turn the ship around, I expect Joel Bouchard to be the NA, the NHL coach for the Ducks probably within the next 18 months. So it makes total sense from a career perspective. Um, and I wouldn't fault Mark Bergevin necessarily. In this case, they offered him the same job a promotion as assistant coach. I think it was just the fact that Ducharme, whom, by the way, guys, when both were hired simultaneously, we were all thrilled. But Ducharme was given the reins, took his team to the Stanley Cup Finals despite being out with COVID. Um, ultimately, it would be a slap in the face to Ducharme based on how well he did uh, to at least not give him the reins. So to me, I think it makes sense. Jumping from there, let's talk about another person who's getting a new job, and that's Mr. McGuire. Pierre McGuire is going to be the new senior vice president of player development for the Ottawa Senators. What do we think of this move? I think that Pierre McGuire is a guy that's very connected within the hockey prospect world. I think that his storytelling, although it may seem to piss off a small minority of fans across the world that think that he's this irrelevant storyteller. I think that it speaks volumes to who he knows. And it also allows him to call upon people with knowledge and that, you know, give about that knowledge. The, the way that I see it is twofold. Pierre Maguire is being brought in to consult, to assist in development, to focus on, on young players. And that's something that he, it's a niche of his that he was really able to kind of develop. And everybody loved it, at, you know, during the World Junior Hockey Championships with TSN. And I feel like if he can help Ottawa, so be it. I also want to turn around and be like, isn't this ironic? <laughs> there are a lot of alumnus from the Ottawa Senators that could be brought in to help 
And in turn, they turn to Pierre Maguire. I mean, like, you lost Daniel Alfredson. Uh, Chris Phillips doesn't want to know anything about your organization. Um, you know, they're, they're, the slim pickings here, despite having a ridiculously nice prospect pool, um, you know, it's it goes to show. I think there were far more qualified individuals to be put in this role. Um, but at the same time, I feel like, as I discussed, Pierre Maguire's connections, um, I feel like he was a very easy option to put into that spot. And ultimately, Pierre Dorian hasn't done anything for me to doubt him in his personal choices. So I'm just going to see how this goes. And finally, let's bring out our sticks and tap them on the ice because there are two retirements that we want to end off with. Pecorine retiring after 15 seasons uh, and Kevin Miller announcing retirement at 33. The Boston Bruins and the Preds, respectively, are losing two great players. Uh, Adam, lead us off. What do people need to know before as we close out their careers? Well, Pecorine, we kind of saw it coming uh, 38 years old. He had former Vesna winner, King Clancy this year. Uh, just a great career for, I I would say, the best Finnish goaltender in, in league history. Or maybe Marco's going to have something else to say, but great career for him for now. <laughs> but uh, when we flip it over, when we flip it over to Kevin Miller, that's, wow, that's a kind of a surprise. Because uh, him retiring before Chara does, that's... Wow, that's that's crazy for Boston. And look, they just re-signed today Brandon Carlo. I think their their blue line is pretty much Carlo and, and McAvoy at this point, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, with Miller, I think the injuries just kind of took its toll on his body. And I think he needed to make the right choice, and he did. Uh, when it comes to Pecorino, probably the second best uh, finished goaltender of all time because I really think Tuka Rask is going to go down as the best until someone eventually surpasses him. Um, when it, you know, if you look at the way that Boston played, I think both players took their retirement at the right time. I think that we see a lot of hockey players try to battle through the injuries and that we've seen over time that it affects their quality of life long-term. And I think that that's something we have to try to avoid. So good for Kevin Miller for knowing when to, to hang him up, even though it's likely the hardest decision that an athlete could ever make and, you know, power to him for being able to, uh, you know, leave with his head held high and do his thing. I, as for Pecorine, I mean, he's basically won everything that a goalie should win uh, other than a Stanley Cup. But for me, it, it, it ultimately comes down to this was also the right time for him to do so. And there you have it, folks. That's it for the Hockey Flow. Before we leave you today, I just want to make a mention that next week's episode will be coming out on Thursday, July the 22nd. And the reason for that is, is that we're going to be doing draft expansion draft coverage so uh please make sure that your favorite podcast app is set for next thursday you have all the good stuff and if you don't you can find out all the instructions and connect to our podcast on twitter first of all you can find it at d-a-h-o-c-k-e-y-f-l-o-w on twitter you can find adam and marco on twitter adam's found it really at a b marco can be found at scrimmageandstats.com and of course at the hockey x-men like i said right at the top make sure you bookmark scrimmageandstats.com there's a great article headed your way i'm adrian cordero we'll catch you all next week